Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome into the Hoist Colors podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. Excited to bring you another edition of the HTC pod and lots to talk about and two big stories for ECU football this week. The extension of head coach Mike Houston, the return of quarterback Holton Aylers, two big news items coming out of what usually is a pretty slow time for ECU athletics because in the past six years we have not had a bowl game to talk about and now on top of the bowl game, on top of recruiting, we've got major personnel news with the return of Holton Aylers. We've got a uh, the first coaching extension since Ruffin McNeil signed a uh, extension in his tenure at ECU uh, on the football side. So big news coming out of the Ward Sports Medicine building. I've spent a couple of couple of days over there uh, inside Town Bank Tower, inside Ward, and we'll talk about these big storylines throughout uh, today's episode. It is Saturday night. It was just hours ago we figured out the return of Holton Aylers, I'll hit on that. Let's first start with the Mike Houston situation. And, you know, there's some people on social media that I don't know if they oppose the decision for East Carolina to extend Mike Houston, but they more or less uh, question why it was warranted. But the vast majority of people understand just why it is necessary to give Coach Houston and his staff pay bumps and also to extend him to make a commitment to the program is the most important thing uh, that I view it as. And you, you, you have to go back and you have to understand what Coach Houston took over. And really, guys, it was just we, – we talked about it. You know, we've talked about it for the past two years. We talked about it to start this year. You know, I did not want to make excuses for the coaching staff because at the end of the day, they are judged by wins and losses. Uh, and, that you know, that's fair. That's what they get into. That's what they, they get into this business. Obviously, you make a lot of money, but there is an insane amount of pressure on you as a result. And you get judged at the end of the day by wins and losses. But you also had to keep some perspective. So when Coach Houston got the job, when his staff came in, there was never an expectation in year one that there was going to be some immediate turnaround. I think that was the initial hope. You get a fresh start, you get a new coaching staff, and you know I think everybody has some level of optimism there. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle, but the the matter, you know, the fact of the matter is the roster was just not at a point across the board where you could expect to go out and compete at the level that Coach Houston and this staff wanted, and the players wanted. I mean, the players don't want to go out there and lose, but there just had to be a complete overhaul, not only of the culture, but the roster as well. And you see some some programs across America turn it around quicker than others. Part of that's due to culture. A lot of that typically is due to, hey, previous coaches taking over some pretty talented players, 
and then you get your culture instilled and that's when you see the turnaround you obviously also see it go the opposite way you see talented teams that have broken cultures um and you know i go back to scotty montgomery's first year i think that team was pretty dang talented looking back at it between philip nelson zay jones jimmy williams davon grayson um you know you had some some nfl guys on that team brandon smith for the offensive tackle garrett mcginn was on the offensive line you know dayon pratt was playing defense so you had some dudes you know deshaun amos was on that team so you had guys and you started that season with a couple of wins including a win over nc state you go to south carolina probably should have beat them and then you saw the culture the team just crater as a result of the the culture behind the scenes and i think we saw that losing culture obviously extend into the mike houston era but slowly we saw it ascend a little bit or build gradually and then eventually the hard work uh, paid off and they got a big win at marshall in week three when things were looking bleak and all of a sudden you get that sense of belief it turns quickly because i think the talent that Coach Houston and, and the roster development that Coach Houston and his staff have done uh, led to a pretty big surge in terms of on-field performance once they got once they got the belief. I mean, we start, we started to see last year the the talent of the roster really emerge, and I thought that uh, that group continued to play better as last season went on. And then I think early this year, even when they lost to South Carolina, you you could see some of the talent increase uh, on you know the the offensive and defensive lines and you know as far as some of the skill positions it's just the team speed and so i think that i think as that happened and the culture improved and i think that really took hold year two and then the belief improved you saw kind of the end product and not the end product i should say but the product that coach houston more envisioned and so uh, I say all this to say it's been a long rebuild. It hasn't happened overnight. It never was going to in reality. But now you're seeing that hard work pay, pay off. And look, you know, the coaches aren't perfect. There are things they could do better, but there's also a lot that they've done right, and that's including building the roster the right way. ECU is not only set up for immediate success, but they're set up for long-term success, and that is important to note. Uh, they've cleaned up things in the classroom. They've largely cleaned up things off the field. You know, you've had a few incidents here and there, but obviously that's going to happen pretty much in any football program across America. It is a major improvement uh, compared to the past few regimes. So, you know, the, the, the point of the matter is this, this extension's well-earned, and it needed to happen. You know, I don't know if Coach Houston was legitimately in the running at Duke or Virginia Tech or Virginia or wherever, but the bottom line is you had to make a commitment to a coach who has had success at every stop. He's now having success at your place. He was getting paid the least amount of money in the American Athletic Conference. His staff is getting paid the least amount of money in the American Athletic Conference. If you want to expect to win championships in the AAC, you have to pay more. You have to commit more. You have to invest more. You get what you put into it. And at the end of the day, ECU has made a significant investment. Coach Houston goes from making $1.5 million this year to $2.3 million, which I believe ties him for third in the league, along with Gus Malzahn and Kenny Matalolo. His assistants will receive a notable pay bump. We'll get more inf information on that at a later date. But this was the right time. You know, 
often in college football, you see some crazy numbers thrown around. You see some crazy contracts. That's just how it is. I mean, that's the business. You could say, you know, not everybody in the world gets five, ten-year deals or whatever um, for success. But, you know, college football is a multi-million dollar business. And even though it, it costs most schools a lot more money than they make, that's just the way it is. Um, if ECU isn't going to pay Coach Houston, somebody else will. And ECU's got to invest in what it has now because what it has now is the most successful football program it's had in seven years, and that's the result of Coach Houston, his staff, the administration, the players, everybody involved. But obviously the head coach probably gets too much credit when things are going well, probably gets too much blame when things are going wrong, but he gets rewarded uh, for on-field performance. And with it being the first winning season, no matter what happens in the bowl game, in seven years, you know, that's worthy of an extension. And also the fact that he's doing it with an extremely young team. Also the fact that they could have won nine, ten games, and now you got a ton of people on the roster coming back next year. You should have pretty good, if not great, continuity with the staff returning. And there's a lot to look forward to in the immediate and long-term future. So uh, kudos to athletic director John Gilbert for getting it done. Um, Also excited, obviously, to continue to see the program ascend under Coach Houston's watch. Uh, I I think they'll continue to look at ways to improve. Coach Houston said himself, 7-5, and making a bowl game is not the the ceiling for this program. Uh, They want to ultimately compete for a conference championship. Whether that happens next year uh, remains to be seen. They competed for a conference championship this year in some ways. I mean, if they would have beaten Houston on the road, you would have gone to that Cincinnati game with a legitimate chance to get to the conference championship. And ECU was just a play away from beating Houston in Houston. So uh, this team has come a long way. And, uh, you know, I I really, really am excited to see where they go this offseason. We'll get more into what's the next step for the roster, what ECU should look into in the transfer portal, uh, how how should they supplement the team, the, the returning roster, what are the key pieces to take this group to the next level. We'll get more into that in a later podcast. We also still got, obviously, the bowl to talk about as we sit here on Saturday night. Do not know the opponent yet. Was hearing a couple of days ago that Virginia was the likely opponent. Now there's some rumblings of Boston College. It sounds like Virginia Tech, who ECU fans wanted due to the obvious history, is likely going to the pinstripe bowl. So we'll find out on Sunday for sure who ECU is playing, and then we'll get more into the military bowl breakdown as well. All right, let's shift gears real quick and talk about the Holton Aylers situation. So the big news of Saturday is that East Carolina quarterback Holton Aylers will return for his fifth season of eligibility. Now, I had a lot of people ask, heading into this decision, you know, what is Holton Aylers deciding between? I don't think some people can understand maybe the or grasp the – you know, college football these days, A, he's he's about to graduate, so he's played his four years. And that would be, obviously, the standard career for a college player. You know, you play your four years of eligibility and move on. But the COVID year gave him an extra year of eligibility. So he was a junior speaking in terms of eligibility this year, even though this is his fourth year, even though he's about to get his degree. You know, classroom-wise, he's a senior. So he had that decision to make, A, he could have just been done. He's ha- he's got his built-in brokering th- thing going on. Um, NIL deal. Some of you have probably seen that. But he's got his apparel brand going. 
and that's going very successful. Maybe he just wanted to walk away from the game. So that was option A. Option B was go pro. From what I've heard, he's talked to some people in the industry to try to get a gauge on you know where he could go pro, you know where he might go. From what I was hearing, his feedback was he could be a, a very you know final round pick in the NFL draft or probably a priority free agent. So that was an option. Go pro, give it a shot. Even though that route is obviously very tough to make it as a lower round pick, uh, his third option was to transfer, and you know in terms of how likely it was that he was going to transfer not very likely if at all i mean I, you know mid-season if things would have kept going south in terms of losses frustration with inconsistency with the offense you know maybe you could have seen that decision but this decision from everything i've gathered was basically between whether to go pro or whether to come back for his fifth year i think maybe at one time he was just thinking about walking away from the game and focus on the next phases of his life but honestly with the winning the success everything he had kind of talked about when he first committed to ECU with all that coming to fruition the second half of the year Holton decided that he he more than likely was going to either come back or go pro and I think the more information he gathered uh, to come back really kind of continue to work on his individual game but also have a number of team goals it just made too much sense to come back. I just I always felt that Holden wasn't going to walk away, especially once they started to have success. And I felt like the coaching staff, there's no way they were going to tell their, their experienced, successful quarterback to move on. So at the end of the day, you had a mutual decision to, hey, come back. This is unfinished business, not only for Coach Houston in terms of making a bowl game is not what he came to ECU for, but it's unfinished business for Holton Aylers in terms of hey yeah his goal when he committed as he said today was to get ecu back to winning back to a bowl game but he also had aspirations of taking them to a to a more prominent national stage and that next step is to compete for a conference championship holton said today at his press conference this time next year this day next year he expects to be playing inside the full dowdy ficklin stadium and playing for a conference championship and that's a bold statement to make but you have to believe it in order for it to come to fruition. And uh, I think it's a great goal to have. I think it should be the goal. You know, realistically, ECU isn't going to be the conference favorite next year, but they probably will be a top three or four team with Aylers coming back, with so much of the roster coming back. You know, Cincinnati will obviously be a, a favorite regardless of how many pieces they use given the back-to-back championships. Uh, you've got UCF, who should be talented under Gus Malzahn, but they lose Dylan Gabriel. SMU has some pieces coming back, but they lose Sonny Dykes. They are hiring a first-time head coach. Houston should be very good under Daner Holgerson. They have a lot of pieces returning. So I almost feel like it will be Houston, Cincinnati, ECU, SMU, and UCF in that top group. And then obviously you'll have some more schools in the mix as well. Tulsa, I think, has some, some interesting uh, items coming back from their team you've got potentially a bounce back performance from some other teams in the league as well but overall there should be very high aspirations going into next year we'll see how the bowl game goes we'll see how everything goes um in the coming weeks in terms of the bowl prep and how they do in that but regardless of what happens in that game i think you come into the next year with very high expectations which is a which is going to be a new thing for ecu football because the last few years there have been 
little to no expectations for this team. But we'll get more into that down the road. Um, as far as Holton's decision, again, I just felt like he was always going to come back once the wins started to happen. You know, I, I, I talked with him one on one after they after the Memphis win uh, on the field at the Liberty Bowl, and just seeing the weight that was off his shoulders, seeing the smile on his face, the joy, the genuine joy. It was almost like he was a kid again, and just you know, the love for the game came back. And I felt like from that that moment on, he was going to come back. And, and you know, the other side of this is Holton's been dealing with some, um, you know, some health things as well. I mean, he's been beat up over the last year, year and, and really the last two years. And so he's had to manage his workload. He's had to manage his body. Um, and that's there, a lot goes into that as well. So uh, that was, I think, taking a toll on him at one time. But I, I just think the, the – I also think the negativity from the fan base. And he does his best to block it out. But when you're the hometown kid and – you know, you, you can't even get on social media because people are adding you or mentioning you. You can't get away from it. And if you're away from it, you hear it from your friends or your family because a lot of people in Greenville know each other. And so I think all that was weighing on him. But then once they started winning, you know, that overtook everything. And it, it I think it brought him back to why he came to ECU in the first place, and that's to, to play for the Pirates, the team he grew up watching, the team he grew up rooting for. The goal he had in mind, he achieved that, and now he wants to take it to another level. So, um, you know, regardless of what happens next year, Holton has done the thing he set out to do. Now he wants to really take it to another level. Uh, on the personal individual stand, stand um, standpoint, he's got a chance now to, to break every major passing record in school history. And you can argue, of course, that he's got to build an advantage because he's playing an extra year, and certainly that that should be taken into consideration. But at the end of the day, if he goes out and has a healthy 2022 season, Holt Naylor's will likely surpass Shane Carden as the career all-time passer in terms of passing yardage and passing touchdown. He already is second in both categories. As an update here, uh, Shane Cardin's first in passing yards with 11,991. Holt Naylor's now sits at 10,219 yards, so only 1,700 yards away. To give you some perspective, he threw for 3,100 yards this season. Uh, Touchdowns-wise, passing touchdowns, Shane Cardin first with 86, and Holt Naylor's is currently second ahead of Dominic Davis but uh, second behind Shane Carden with 69 career passing touchdowns uh, for Holt Naylor's. Nice. Uh, but, no, it's a – obviously, he's got the more long-tenured career. Carden only played for three years, and Holton will have played for five years, four and a half years, really, if he ends up having a full 2020, uh, 2022 season. But, you know, there's something to say for longevity, commitment, and if he's the guy who went through, as he said today, all the crap and then gets to go through some of the glory years, so to speak, then it's well-deserved. So his numbers have improved, uh, you know, pretty much every year. You know, completion percentage numbers have gone up. Yards per attempt have increased. You know, his quarterback rating has stayed around the same the last three years, but I think if you watch the games, you realize that when Holt Naylor's is getting help from the offensive line, when Holt Naylor's is getting help from his receivers, the running backs, he is a very, very good quarterback. 
And if you can't turn on the games and see that when he has a clean pocket and the way he throws the football from a clean pocket, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, if we continue to get the argument about Holt Naylor's needs to play tight end five years to his career, I don't know what to say to you. Uh, but he, he is a good quarterback, especially when he gets help. I mean, ECU this past season, according to Pro Football Focus, had a bottom 10 offensive line in the country in terms of pass protection. Even with that, Holt Naylor is one of the more higher-graded quarterbacks in the conference. So that, to me, tells you he can overcome some of those issues. But at the end of the day, you still need your offensive line to play at a high level. And, and strong correlation was when the offensive line played its best game, Holt Naylor's played his best game. You're going to see that with most quarterbacks, but it obviously is even more important for uh, for Aylers as we've seen over his ECU career. So what does this mean for ECU football in 2022? Well, from an offensive perspective, it really gives you, hey, you know what you have at the quarterback position by and large. You're set there. You're set at running back. Now you're, you know you should be set at tight end. If with with Tyler Sneed and C.J. Johnson presumably come back at receiver, you're pretty set there. Maybe you add another piece or two. You could stand to get a little better there, more dynamic. Offensive line-wise, you do lose three seniors up front. Um, you know, you would like to obviously add some guys in the portal, potentially a tackle, potentially interior guy. We'll see what happens there. But you do get Bailey Malavik and Rob Vanderlin back, two tackles who missed time last year with knee injuries. So, you know, you get some guys back, you lose some guys, you would like to shore that position up a little bit. You got some guys returning. I, I think if ECU can add a dynamic playmaker out wide in the portal and an offensive lineman or two and continue to progress the group, you should be pretty darn good offensively next season. Um, you know, I know there's still some fans out there who, who want to change an offensive coordinator or whatever. The Pirates still finished this past season, I believe, top 30 in total offense in the regular season. Uh, you know, scoring points was an issue at time. The biggest area they need to improve is, you know, how to how to play better against really good defenses. And, and that's not an easy thing to do. You know, they're really good defenses for a reason. But ECU's got to find a way to move the ball and score points more specifically against these better defenses. Because there's the times against Cincinnati, against Houston, against UCF, where they move the ball fine, but then they stall in the red zone. Or they have a back-breaking penalty or they have a back-breaking turnover. So with so much personnel back, with your quarterback back, how do you take that next step offensively? That'll be one of the main keys, but there's no reason this offense shouldn't be very good in 2022, and there's no reason the defense shouldn't be very good in 2022 with so many people coming back on that side of the ball. So a lot to look forward to next season. First, of course, we got to get through the bowl game, which there should be lots of excitement leading up to December 27th in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, you know, as far as uh, Holton personally, you know, I, I've enjoyed covering him ever since he he was being recruited by ECU. And it's crazy. He said today that he was 17 when he committed. He'll be 23 when he is playing at ECU, which is hard to believe. Um, but, you know, once again, class young man. He's dealt with a lot of stuff on and off the field. You know, we've critiqued him. That's our job as, as you know, covering the team, writing about the team. Uh, you know, he's a quarterback of a major Division One college football team. So, you know, we've obviously talked about his play, critiqued him. But at the end of the day, you know, you can't ask for a more better representative of the program of Greenville, North Carolina, than Holton Naylor is the person. So um, happy for him for the success he's had, 
especially this year. I know it's been a long time coming for him. Um, and, you know, happy he's going to be back. I think he gives ECU the best chance to win uh, in 2022 at the quarterback position. So that's significant for the team and happy for him personally. You know, the other side of this, obviously, I'm sure I didn't take questions for this podcast, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discussion about what does this mean for the other quarterbacks in the room. You know, time will tell. Uh, but get, judging by Coach Houston's comments today, and I asked specifically about Mason Garcia and what this means for him, it sounds like everybody's on board right now. You know, we all know with the transfer portal, things can get wild. You can get blindsided as a as a football program. But I'm not hearing anything about Mason Garcia entering the portal just because Holton's coming back. You know, he does have still two years of eligibility remaining, and he's got a redshirt year. And they did not use that this season. They could theoretically use it next season, and he could enter 2023 as a redshirt sophomore, as crazy as that sounds, entering his fourth year in the program. Um, you know, does Mason Garcia want to to sit out three years or not play? Uh, you know, that's that's for Mason Garcia to decide. The other thing, too, though, is there's no guarantee he's going to transfer somewhere and be handed a starting job. You know, he's talented and is you know, physically impressive as Mason Garcia is, he's never played at a high level in the college football realm, in the college football world. So he still has much to prove. Obviously, ECU's fully invested in him. Beyond Holt Naylor's, they see him as the guy. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think the coaches will kind of tell you that on and off the record for the most part. And so I think they'd say that to, to Mason. Um, and you need other quarterbacks in the room, but I think most people see Mason as the guy beyond Holton. Time will tell if that will obviously, or you know, be the case in time. But we'll see. I, I just don't. I don't get the vibe right now that Mason's planning to enter the portal or anything like that. Um, you know, it, does he want to play? Probably. I, I don't think he came to ECU envisioning sitting out three years, but. You know, he's still at a point where he's got to continue to, to grow mentally as a quarterback. And, you know, Coach Houston kind of said today, they're not going to give Holt Naylor's all the reps in spring practice. You know, he doesn't really need them. And so you can use almost a lot of this offseason to grow Mason Garcia, to grow Ryan Stubblefield, Walter Simmons, Alex Flynn, the other quarterbacks on the roster, and continue to improve them that way. And, um, and, you know, with Holton, again, you kind of know what you have already. You want to continue to grow those other guys up. And you're always only one hit away. We talked about Holton's, uh, you know, health condition. You're always one hit away from Mason Garcia being the guy. And so that's something Garcia has to take into consideration as well. He's already been in the system two years. He knows the terminology. He knows the plays, knows the personnel. And so, you know, if he leaves, yeah, he's getting a fresh start. Theoretically, he could play, but there's no guarantee. And essentially, he could be the guy after Holton here, and it's only one more year away, and he could take over a, a pretty dang good team when it's his time to be the starter. So, um, again, not getting any sense that he's ready to enter the portal or jump ship like so many people have kind of suggested on social media. I think that's just the way social media is now. Um and the college football world, the transfer portal has kind of made it that way, so I don't blame people for jumping to that conclusion, but just sharing my thoughts on that, and uh, we'll see how that transpires over the course of the offseason. But we know Holt Naylor is coming back in 2022. We know Mike Houston will be the head coach 
in 2022. Those are two extremely significant developments for the ECU football program. And just wanted to touch on those in today's podcast. And so I am going to uh, get to bed here shortly. Been a long day. Got a long day tomorrow. Got to put up a Christmas tree for Slater's first Christmas. Looking forward to that. But no, it's, uh, it, it's you know, exciting days, guys. Uh, also, forgot to or wanted to mention before we get off. Uh, if you're going to the Military Bowl in Annapolis, we are planning to get together in Annapolis on the night of the 26th. We've got uh, details on that. We're getting together at a local restaurant in downtown Annapolis at the waterfront. So we got that on the message board. Uh, if you can, log in and post that you're going to be there just so we have a rough head count of what to expect. Um, but looking forward to meeting several of our members, several of uh, our loyal fans, and that should be a great time leading into the 27th and the game. So uh, definitely check that out on hoistacolors.net. All right, appreciate you guys, as always, for the support and for listening. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new santa fe is available with h-track all-wheel drive so i can hit the trail without a worry in the world Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.